to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. COVID-19, the masks, the mist, the mayhem. And newsflash, tonight, not only do we talk to Dave Harper about how the bio diet may help you ward off COVID-19, Dave is actually getting ready to self-quarantine. Why sleeping puts you at greater risk for contracting COVID-19. We also talk about love in a time of COVID-19. And we talk about healthy relationships and how understanding what they look like can lead you to a better life with Coach Lise Levine. Finally, Dr. Gurdi Parhar, who confirmed the first community transmission in BC, is in and answers all of your questions about COVID-19. The Sunday Night Health Show podcast starts now. Back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're talking COVID-19 pretty much all night long. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Alberta who has developed a COVID-19 self-assessment. The reason I think that is important is because so many people are focused on testing. I cannot tell you how many people have gotten sick and instead of going home and they're mildly ill, they might have a fever, they might have sniffles, they might have rhinorrhea, they might have a bit of a sore throat. This is a lower respiratory tract infection. This affects the lungs for the most part, although there have been documented cases of people in their 20s who have had mild cases where they're afebrile and they have had a little bit of upper respiratory syndrome. However, so back to the COVID-19 self-assessment, if you are not feeling well, like you feel like you have the flu, you're, you're breathing okay, you're not um, too febrile, you know, if and febrile is over 37.8 and that's conservative. Some people would say 38. Um, so being the nurse, I'm going to be conservative, but there is a an online self-assessment. So instead of running around to clinics all over your community and potentially infecting other people with maybe the flu, maybe the common cold, or maybe COVID-19, launch the self-assessment um, that the Alberta government has um, has developed. And it's at myhealth.alberta.ca slash journey slash COVID-19. And are you experiencing any of the following? Severe difficulty breathing. For example, are you struggling for each breath or speaking in single words? Do you have severe chest pain? Having a very hard time waking up? Feeling confused? Loss of consciousness? If the answer is no, you're having mild symptoms or are you short? Are you experiencing shortness of breath at rest? Are you unable to lie down because of difficulty breathing? Do you have any chronic health conditions that you are having difficulty managing because of your current respiratory illness, whatever that is? If the answer is no, you move on. And this assessment will determine if you need to speak with HealthLink, which is 811 across this country. They will ask you if you have any fever, cough, shortness of breath on this um, and also sore throat. So if you answer yes to any of those, they will then give you, uh, ask you another question about exposure to somebody who has been confirmed as having COVID-19 within 14 days of your symptoms starting. Now, I do hope if you were exposed to somebody who has been confirmed as having COVID-19 in the last 14 days, you are at home in bed. You are not out there on public transportation, going to school, going to work, risking everybody else's life. So if the answer here to that question is no, and you have not traveled outside of Canada within 14 days of your symptoms starting, you will learn that if you have not had close contact with someone with respiratory illness in the past 14 days, and by close contact, I mean provided care for the individual, including healthcare workers, family members, or other caregivers, or who had similar close physical contact, you know what I mean, without consistent and appropriate use of personal protective equipment like masks and gloves and gowns and face shields, or if you lived or otherwise had close prolonged contact within two meters with the person while they were infectious, or also were um, infected with um, or contacted their bodily fluids, if the answer to all of that is still no, you will find out that you don't need to be tested for COVID-19. So it's not the focus on the test because I think people are focusing on the test because they're thinking, well, I don't want to stay home. I want to find out that I don't have it or that I do have it. Or if I don't have it, then I don't have to stay home. But you know what? There's no place like home, quite frankly. And uh, to be very 
um, honest, these there are so many viruses out there, especially at this time of year as we're leaving the winter season well into spring and uh, heading towards summer that can cause your symptoms. So if your symptoms do worsen or if you are concerned, you can actually call 811, uh, the health link, potentially speak to a nurse. But quite frankly, those numbers are busy, busy, busy all day long. They need to get telehealth going in this province. I think they're starting to get that up and going. There's going to be a big announcement tomorrow by the Minister of Health and as well as the Provincial Health Officer because there was no update today, which I don't actually think was great. I'm not really happy about that. Our last update was 10 a.m. yesterday morning, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, things are ramping up in the U.S. New York is actually considering uh, a shutdown of that city. There's ma- they're making lots of changes. Ohio has had a big ramp up in cases. We are just behind them, and they are just behind Italy. So take care of yourself. We're going to be talking about that a little bit on the program. Feel free to email me. I have no problem answering these questions. Nurse talk at hotmail.com. If you are wondering about your symptoms or what you should do, feel free. Email me. I'll pop it off. I I know this stuff like the back of my hand. And uh, we also need to, if you're sick, that's when you wear a mask and somebody is around you, that's when you wear a mask. But you don't walk around this city or this province or the airport with a mask on because it actually can harbor germs. People are not taught how to take it off properly. They don't dispose of it. They leave them on too long. There are lots of problems with masks. You don't actually need to wear a mask um, walking around. It's not going to protect you. And in fact, it may actually increase your risk of... Um, It may actually increase your risk of contracting COVID-19 and you don't want that. And be careful who you visit. And and also look after your own health. And if if you're on a medication, for example, for psoriasis, a lot of those psoriasis medications actually called cause immunosuppression. That means you can't fight an infection as well as you could if you weren't on that medication. There are lots of people walking around who are on chemotherapy or being treated for cancer. They are immunosuppressed as well. I actually have a friend who's immunosuppressed and and she wanted to go for a walk with me. Me of all people, (laughs) I declined. Uh, I said, you know, you have immunosuppression. You don't want to be anywhere near a healthcare worker. And she thought... And I'm extremely careful, let me tell you, but by no means is that any immunity for me. Um, But she thought if we were just outside, that would be fine and she would be fine and we would be fine. But that's not necessarily the case by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I just want you to take care of yourself. I don't want you to panic, but I want you to be smart. I want you to make educated decisions. I want you to understand how the coronavirus hijacks your cells. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in the program. And uh, you know, I know we're, we're facing a lot of negative economic uh, issues right now, but we're only going to improve that if we take the measures immediately. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Marie McGrath hosting this program tonight. We're talking lots about COVID-19, but I'm not fooling around. But we're all in relationships, and oftentimes we do fool around, but not with COVID-19. And there may be issues in your relationships about how you and your partner, spouse, husband, wife are dealing with COVID-19. And it may be difficult to keep the intimacy alive at this particularly serious time. Uh, So joining me on the line is none other than the amazing intimacy authority, Leanne Francis Bates, to help guide us to how to keep that intimacy going in the time of COVID-19. Good evening, Leanne. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? I am excellent. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much. Um, a little nervous. Uh, this is an issue. <laughs> I, I admit, I got a little anxiety over this whole thing, to be honest with you. But I feel like I've done so much research and reading and understanding and, you know, trying to uh, all the time, uh, you know, trying to limit activities and uh, only go where I absolutely need to. And also, um, you know, dealing with relationship issues. And many people might have relationship issues during this this time actually spending all this time with their partner so there may be some issues in the relationship where one feels oh this is panic this is just the media this is nothing you're going crazy and then somebody else might be obsessively wiping everything down <laughs> including the partner 
<laughs> I don't know anyone like that. Um, so what's your thought on all of this and how do we keep the intimacy in our relationships during this time? Oh, so you've nailed it. Um, I have, my inbox has been flooded with messages, um, like exactly about what you're talking about. Uh, you know, my partner wants to go to a wedding. I don't want them to go. Um, I have an autoimmune disorder and my partner is so freaked out that we're not having any sexual intimacy anymore. Um, you name it, it's there. Uh, money issues, travel issues, all of it is stressing people out and it's causing conflict. And so really, I think the most, most important thing that we can all really do in our relationships is really find a place of compassion and empathy. Number one, for our own selves and how we feel, if we're feeling stressed, we're feeling worried, just giving ourselves a bit of a break and taking a lot of time to have some deep breaths and to just relax into things and let the worries go throughout the day. Um, Because that's really key um, so that we can have composure and we can really come into our relationships as a whole person feeling patient and open and able to deal with these things. Um, (laughs) You make a great you make a great point in terms of that compassion, understanding where that other person is coming from. I'd like to state where I'm coming from, even though I'm not in a relationship. (laughs) Well, the listeners and I are in a bit of a relationship, but canceled events and self-quarantine save lives. Just saying we need to actually flatten the curve here and you'll hear hear a lot of that. But it takes uh every person to do their part and community is immunity and people are going to be spending more time together in their homes and those homes might not have a lot of square footage um you know and so that adds another kind of stress and especially if there's desire discrepancy in the relationship already and then it's like yay i'm home with you all the time you can't say you're tired you're not working you're not doing the pack meetings you're not you know commuting you're not driving the kids here there and everywhere so we should have sex all the time (laughs) the other partner says no (laughs) yeah and i mean people are going to have to come up with agreements that work for them right so you have a little bit of square footage. Where can you make an agreement if somebody, because we do, we, we match up with our yin to our yang, right? So you might have one person that wants to spend a lot of time together and the other person that doesn't. And maybe one person's used to going to work and getting that space, right? So it's like, you know, where can you make agreements in your relationship that work and honor both people's feelings? So once you have that compassion and you can hear somebody and just go, whether I agree with you or not, I understand that's how you feel, Right. Just people's feelings are people's feelings, and we can't control those. And so we kind of need to surrender that piece. And then the second is, how can you come to a win-win agreement that works for both people? Does this mean that, you know, while we're self-quarantined, I get my space in this room from 3 to 5? You know, that's like my personal quiet time space where we disagree. There's no interruptions, and you can go do your thing over here at that time. And then, you know, how can we create intimacy in a way that works for both of us? Maybe one partner doesn't want to be intimate because they're stressed out. You know, what do they need? Do they need a foot massage? Do they need, you know, um, you know, a back massage, like maybe a bath? Like, what is it that, you know, um, you know, they could implement that would help both partners start to feel more like they might be in that zone of desire, right? Absolutely. They need all of the above, by the way. I, know, I do right? anyway. <laughs> Me too. Just a hint out there. I mean, it is time to chill, you know, uh, to take time. The other thing is, you know, what if somebody gets symptoms and yeah. and then it's it's actually time to quarantine. Now, I'm a nurse, a little obsessive, and so I've established the quarantine place in our house. Um, and so, but some people are like, hey, that shouldn't be the quarantine place. That should be the place where the healthy people go. Um, so, but people might feel badly and feel lonely being sort of relegated to this area, maybe in the basement, maybe it's above ground and it has lots of light, but uh, it has a TV and couch and whatever you need. Um, but may, people might feel lonely. And so how do people deal with that, with their feeling that maybe uh, they're not loved or they're not being cared for in the way that they normally would be if they had a broken leg, for example. Totally. Yeah, I know lots of different couples are handling that differently too. Some couples have decided they're just going to quarantine together, even if one is 
uh, potentially showing symptoms and the other isn't because they can do that. Um, some people can't. They may have parents in the house that are elderly and like that's absolutely not an option, right? And so, and you have single people that are like, you know, me having to quarantine the house by themselves. So I think this is where we can now use technology to be hopefully um, a valuable thing. You know, there's Zoom, there's Skype, um, you know, how can you create little community things on there? I know I saw in Seattle, they're having some people are hosting like um, movie watching parties on Zoom uh, where they can all talk to each other about the movie. Um, you know, where can you kind of reach out and connect and, and, you know, use your phone, pick up the phone, call people, um, ask for what you need, reach out for the support that you need. Everybody experiences loneliness in a different way. For some people, like people are like, what would you, Julianne? I'm like, man, if I had a week in my house by myself, I'd be in heaven. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, you just get so much done. Um, I do want to say if one person's experiencing uh, symptoms and the other person has decided to stay with them, it's probably a good idea for the person experiencing symptoms to wear a mask because we really want to quell this transmission. And and that's going to be difficult as well, because this is such a highly contagious infection. And and it's also important, uh, you know, perhaps if, you know, at some point to get tested, just to make sure that this hasn't spread through, you know, the family and if some people haven't gone. I mean, you know, we're really in dangerous times uh, right now, but you're certainly helping to make it um, much nicer for people. (laughs) And you've got some great ideas for people to actually keep up that intimacy um, and especially that loneliness. Because a lot of people, especially in this day and age, and I'm sure you find in your practice that people just can't stop. They're just, they're just living the treadmill life. They're going, going, going. And this is actually halting a lot of people. This is, this is an amazing opportunity in that way, not to you know, lighten um, the seriousness of the situation, but it is a really good way to get people back into actually living moment to moment and uh, and spending some time with themselves and spending some time with each other and, you know, maybe taking advantage of getting, you know, if you're, you know, in your house and you're feeling like you're bored, I mean, have some fun with it. You know, I was talking to some people the other day that are going to put up some tents inside their living room with their kids and have like indoor camping and, you know, like board games and just pulling out things that um, everybody enjoys and can have some fun with um, so that, you know, maybe the seriousness of the situation can lessen moment to moment, at least within our houses while we have this time to spend with ourselves. Exactly. And we've had some beautiful weather and we're looking at some beautiful weather in Vancouver this week. And you know what? Take your dinner outside, sit on the <laughs> deck. If you've got a Southwest exposure, it's pretty hot out there uh, now. Uh, so there's there's certainly other ways um, to, to shake it up, to change it up. But people will have anxiety. People will be nervous just of the fact that COVID-19 is there. They're afraid they might get it. They might give it. They may not be able to stop working. They may still be uh, mandated to come into work still, if you can believe it. I don't, I don't think anybody should be going to work unless they absolutely have to. But, and so they can be nervous and they can, they can become anxious and it's difficult mm-hmm. to live with somebody who has anxiety. So any, any recommendations around that? Yeah, I mean, you know, having, I had complex PTSD most of my life, so I understand what it's like to have anxiety. And, um, you know, there's some really simple things, meditation, breathing. Um, I mean, you know, if you do yoga and you can't go to your yoga class and that's part of your regimen, you know, look online. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. Um, You know, there's hypnosis recordings you can listen to for anxiety as well. Um, if anybody uh, has that issue, I'm happy to offer them a free recording that I've done myself uh, for my clients. Um, awesome, Leanne. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, they that? can uh, send me an email if they would like at uh, leanne.love, uh, so L-E-E dash A-N-N dot L-O-V-E. And yeah, I have anxiety hypnotherapy recordings, which I usually charge for, but given the circumstances... Let's just get it out to people that need it. Oh, that's um, so nice of you. Yeah. And then, you know, there's different, um, you know, there's other things that you can take. There's different supplements that are very natural, you know, um, like ashwagandha, things like that, adaptogens that really help with anxiety. 
Um, you know, gratitude, daily gratitude, wake up first thing in the morning, just journal three things that you're, you're grateful for. If you are stuck with a partner, <laughs> true, that's another and issue. Things, and things are messy, daily gratitude or what turns you on or, um, you know, what you would like is such a fun little 30 day exercise that I do with my couples all the time. And you just leave little notes for each other or say it to each other or text it to each other. And just once a day, one person says, I'm so grateful for this, or I really love this about you, or this really turns me on about you. And the other person just says, thank you and receives it. And both partners do that for 30 days. And it's so beautiful, the intimacy that can really be created and the stress that can be reduced in the relationship. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Maybe a lot of people will resolve their pre-existing <laughs> conditions. Uh, <laughs> Leanne.love. That's Lee-A-N-N.love. Thank you so much. Great information. Really Beautiful. appreciate it. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Uh, lots of talk about COVID-19 because that seems to be on everybody's minds. And uh, one thing I don't want you to do is start drinking, increasing your drinking if you're staying at home, uh, having parties at your house, inviting everybody over to uh, so watch your alcohol consumption. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about addiction in this time a little bit later on in the program. But uh, I do want to talk to you about staying healthy, eating properly, getting enough sleep. I am going to be talking shortly about why sleep at, uh, if you're not a good sleeper, if you're too deep of a too deep of a sleeper, you sleep too deeply, maybe because of sleeping pills or you've had too much alcohol, you're actually at greater risk of contracting uh, COVID nineteen. And I'm going to explain that in the next hour. So eat well as much as you possibly can. I went into the grocery store yesterday just to pick up some, I had a request for mashed potatoes, sour cream and cheese. And I went in, I thought, oh, I'll just go up and pick up some, um, some COVID-19 potato, no, <laughs> some potatoes. And I walked in and I thought, oh, wow, this doesn't look anything like the shelves on Facebook. Uh, all of those, you know, lots of pictures on Facebook and Twitter about empty shelves, but it didn't look that way. But it was deceiving because as soon as I got past like the bakery and, you know, some drinks, and that kind of thing. Um, there were there were no vegetables. There was no milk. There was no cream. Not that I wanted any of that. I didn't come in for that. I came in for potatoes. I did want the potatoes. There were no potatoes. So that prompted me to go to my local grocer. And so if we want to keep our community people in business, go to your local grocer. Yeah, you know what? I paid more, but it was worth it because he had the potatoes, number one, and, uh, and I could give the business uh, to my local community store, uh, which I felt great about. And oftentimes I've gone down there um, many, many times over the years and just pick up this, that, or the other thing. But he had everything I wanted. And so, um, you know, just think of those people in the in the small businesses and, and think that you might want to give them a little business. So we've all been told not to touch our face. I don't know if you saw the surgeon, Ben Carson, yesterday uh, during Trump's uh conference, press conference, and Ben Carson not only coughed into his hand, which you're not supposed to do, cough into your the upper arm or elbow area, and then I don't even want any little elbow um, shakes. That's not good enough for me. No, because you're, <laughs> everyone's doing that. Tim's w- woken up over there with that, because you're coughing or sneezing into it, and the likelihood of the virus shedding around your elbow is, is greater, right? So you want to actually touch with your foot, or um, just put your hand on your heart when you say hello to somebody and that's it show them the love that way so we don't really have to get that close we're quite a huggy little society here and so uh show your love but uh don't get too close so after i went to the supermarket and i I was just going to meet a friend on the beach uh, he was going to go for a swim and i was going to have a cup of tea and so i was too late and then another story and so i just sat there by myself on the picnic table and so this guy starts walking towards me and he was kind of walking quickly I sort of joked and I put my hand up and I'm like social distancing here my friend and he's like oh oh yeah right sorry sorry he didn't mean to sort of be bearing down on you um, but you know what you have to speak up and you have to tell people like stay away from me we don't need to be too close usually I'm telling you to be close anyway this has changed everything about my about the work that I do but uh, also you're not meant to touch your face and that's one of the problems with people wearing masks is that they 
they will touch their face. It's also a reservoir for germ collection. But um, that's one thing to stop touching your face. But how about the things that touch your face, like your iPhone? So you want to clean your iPhone and clean it every day because that is just a... That is just a massive source of uh, germs and uh, transmission of infection for you because it's a high-touch surface, so it could be a carrier of the virus. Um, But, you know, cleaning your iPhone isn't as straightforward as you might think. So you don't want to spray anything, spray cleaners or use any heavy-duty products. Um, I have an an Apple iPhone, and so a gentle wipe with a product that has 70% isopropyl alcohol will do just fine. In fact, Apple recommends, I was so glad to see because Apple Apple recommended Clorox disinfecting wipes, and uh, which I am carrying around with me. Just ask Tim; he sees them. <laughs> Even though they have plenty of wipes here, but <laughs> I have my trusty little Clorox wipes, um, and so that's perfect to um, clean your iPhone with. But if you are not able to get those Clorox wipes because people have hoarded them for no reason um, or just to be mean or whatever, you can make your own wipes. You make your own hand sanitizing wipes. And I'm going to give you the recipe right now. You add a generous quarter cup of rubbing alcohol. You want to make sure it's a minimum of 70% isopropyl alcohol concentration to a package of wipes. Now, you may not have wipes like baby wipes or something. You may not have those, but you can actually use paper towels if you have them, or you can use napkins as well. Napkins don't seem to have been taken off the shelves in record doses uh, like toilet paper has, for example. So use some napkins, white napkins, and... um and they, you know, they can be strong enough. Um, and so add that to a package of them, just the right amount um, of liquid, and then seal up the package with just a um, glad paper bag. There's Tim wiping his phone. <laughs> I see. Um, okay, excellent. Somebody's listening to me. I'm so happy. Um, but anyway, then put it in a sandwich bag and seal it up so that it doesn't get dry. So be sure to sterilize common high-touch services like doorknobs, sink taps, toilet flush handles. Always best to wash your hands with soap and water for a minimum of 20 seconds. And how do you know it's 20 seconds? You sing the happy birthday songs. I mean, my life has changed so much. (laughs) I am literally singing that happy birthday song when I am washing my hands. I do prefer hand washing to uh, hand sanitizers, quite frankly. So that's not something that I would buy. I only use those if I am desperate, but uh, washing with soap and water works um, very well. Uh, But if you don't have... um, soap and water, these little wipes, this will come in handy, especially if you have a house full of dirty little humans running all over the place. And so, uh, but just make sure that they don't um, grab those, you know, as well. Um, You can also probably use chlorine, um, Clorox, you know, just use some bleach as well, but certainly keep those away from those little um, curious mouths. In terms of the toilet paper dilemma, I mean, nobody can really figure out why people have gotten toilet paper. I mean, to be honest with you, like it is something we are going to run out of probably, and we are probably looking at, you know, I dare I say six months of uh, changed lives here, unless things change dramatically and everybody stays home and stops gathering. Um, but, you know, I'm not really sure about the toilet paper dilemma, but you can have, have your own toilet paper, I'm sure, once you, you know, limit what you use. I'm sure we're all like, you know, taking several feet of toilet paper off of that without thinking. So cut down your use, number one. And also you can then use, if you have any paper towels, you can use those. If you have napkins, you can use those. You can always time your little bowel movement uh, <laughs> and just hop into the shower really quickly. Remember, face cloths and towels were in vogue. They might be old school now, but they were in vogue long before we got all of these conveniences around wipes and even toilet paper. Uh, newspaper for some, they wrap fish in it, don't they? Um, but it's certainly uh, not something to panic about. But you know what? If somebody is sick, they, there's a small amount of people who will get diarrhea with this uh, COVID-19 virus. And so, you know, look out for your neighbors. Maybe share your toilet paper uh, if you if you 
feel compelled to do so, that would be a nice gesture for you to do um, for your neighbors in this time uh, that is stressing out a lot of people. Um, anyway, so that's the first hour kind of wrapped up there and um, talking all about this. If you have any questions, you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. Feel free to email me your symptoms if you like. I can give you some guidance in terms of what you need to do. Uh, dare I say testing is overrated? I mean, I do think that we either we do tests on everybody or um, or we do them in terms of uh, symptoms and on an as-needed basis if that can't happen. Uh, so that it seems that the countries who have done tests on everybody have the lowest incidence of COVID-19. And so I would like to aim for that. But certainly if you've been exposed to somebody, been in close contact, been outside of this country, are experiencing symptoms, please grab a book, get the remote control, a mask and get into bed and quarantine yourself and take care of yourself as you normally would. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, dealing on the head, on the front lines with this COVID-19, and we're all COVID-19 all night. And joining me on the line is a familiar voice to this program. He's been talking to us about the bio diet over the last nine weeks, and tonight he's going to talk to us about something quite different. Good evening, Dave. <laughs> Hi, Mo. How are you doing? I'm, I'm not in the studio with you today. I know. David G. Harper, PhD, author of The Bio, Bio Diet, The Scientifically Proven Way uh, to Become Healthier <laughs> and Even Lose Weight. Um, so, David, uh, you're not in the studio for not the reason that I... Um, that not my reason, which my you didn't reason. Kick me out. <laughs> no, but I but I would have, quite frankly, because I actually kicked out all guests. I had a yeah, few guests apparently. that were going to meet me at the door, and I said no, no guests in studio. Nobody suggested that I do that here at the station. I took that upon myself, but that's my understanding. That's happening now. Um, but you're being quarantined, if you will, um, so self quarantine, self isolation um, for another reason. So, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story with the listeners. Sure. Well, I, I uh, was actually in Denver, Colorado at uh, a low-carb conference. Uh, I got to give a keynote uh, address there yesterday uh, and came home today from, from Denver. It was kind of an interesting uh, venture getting home there. Um, and so, you know, upon arriving home, I'd already received the advice uh, both from my employer at the University of Fraser Valley and from the news that, uh, that I should self-isolate for 14 days after coming home. So I'm, I'm, I'm in my office, which I've turned into my bedroom, my spare bedroom. My wife has uh, kicked me out for two, <laughs> two weeks, or at least for a while, until uh, to see if I show any symptoms. And so you were down congregating, Dave, against my better judgment. You left before. <laughs> I did. British. Well, you know what? I, if it was even a few hours later, I probably would have called it off. But at the time the conference was going on, and about I left in the morning, and about 3 o'clock, uh, things changed. Things are changing very, very rapidly. So. They're changing every day, every hour of the every day. Every hour, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it was all fine down there. I mean, uh, Denver's a city of 3 million people, and there's nobody on the streets, uh, no cars on the streets. Uh, you know, it was very, very quiet. Um, and coming home today was interesting. It was quiet all the way out to the airport. And then that was an unbelievable logistical nightmare for, uh, you know, a global pandemic. Um, there were those, you started off by spending an hour in those reciprocating lines that go back and forth, crossing with other right. people, and everybody's crowded together. And then you have to go through the security check. And then in Denver, there's these. They have trains that take you out to the to the gates, and so everybody goes down these dual escalators. You you can't go out the escalators, and you're on this platform with probably a thousand other people crowded together, shoulder to shoulder, waiting 15 minutes for these trains, and then packed on the trains uh, like sausage, like sardines, and then uh, and then you take the little trip out. And I was just thinking. If they could think of a better way to transmit virus, I, I wouldn't know what it is. Yeah. It was just a nightmare. But Absolutely. once you're in it, you can't get out of it. That's right. right. No hair was the same. Um, let me ask you, you left before Dr. Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, uh, made the recommendation that for Canadians, uh, that recommended Canadians not travel outside of the country. Just uh, that's correct. That came at about 3 o'clock on Thursday, and I left that morning. All right. So when you went to the conference, now I imagine there's nobody on... Uh, the streets of Denver, and that's because of the COVID-19? Yeah, I, 
I guess. So I imagine. I was, yeah. I was staying at the, you know, one of the larger chain hotels there, and I think I was the only person on my floor. There's just nobody there. Wow, wow. Um, I mean, Denver's a quieter, sort of smaller city anyway, and I've certainly flown through that airport, but I can't actually remember. I've flown through so many airports. I can't remember <laughs> the trains quite. I remember thinking this is like, you know, anyway. Cowboy town. Um, But anyway, um, so at the conference, were you social distancing? Were you utilizing social distancing? Yeah, now this conference, probably two-thirds of the people there are uh, family practice physicians. It's it's, uh, for physicians and researchers and so on that are interested in uh, therapeutic benefits of low-carb diets. So uh, they'd actually, uh, the organizers were conferring with the governor as to whether they should close it down. The governor said, well, you're all you know, healthcare employees or, or uh, healthcare workers are smart enough to know to keep social distancing and no, no handshaking, and, and, uh, and we did that. And even the seats in the auditorium were spread out, and people were trying not to sit next to one another. And, uh, you know, I never got closer than about three feet to anybody. And, and I, after the end of the day, rather than socialize, you know, as you often do at conferences, I just go back to my hotel room. And, and I, I did have some, uh, you know, some some sanitizing uh, cloths and so on. I would The first thing I would do is just take off all my clothes and have a shower and then wipe everything I had on down and then wipe down the whole hotel room every day because <laughs> I'm, I'm a biologist by training, so right. I'm a little bit uh, particular about it. And, you know, so far so good. But uh, I'd, nobody... Nobody at the conference seemed to be ill or, or was coughing. I didn't hear a cough during my whole uh, presentation. So, Well, that's fantastic, and I certainly hope that you stay well. So one of the ways that one can stay well, just uh, quick before we uh, head on to the break, um, is uh, the bio diet. So let's just give a little plug for that, which, uh, you know, I have to say in my little anxiety, I've blown it a bit. <laughs> in my rush to find N95 masks and, and face shields and gowns and booties and you know, has this supplier have them? Does that one have, you know, I, I must confess I've had the odd chocolate. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll let that one go. Thank you. <laughs> Maureen, there are special circumstances. And, uh, you know, on the way, on the way home, uh, it was around noon. I was, I was, the flight was delayed, so I sent a text to my wife and said, is, is noon too early to have a glass of wine? She said, I think under these circumstances, go ahead. Absolutely <laughs> I fine. I didn't actually. I had a coffee in the end, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But now, I think there was a caller called a while ago with some sort of uh, talking about nutrition. And, and the general thing, as you know, Maureen, is, is uh, people who are healthier have higher resistance to, to any kind of infection and, and viral infections and respiratory viral infections in particular. So, you know, I, I just sort of view uh, nutrition as the key, most important thing in, in, uh, in terms of lifestyle choices to, to, to be healthy. Um, the second thing is that, that uh, ketogenic diets like the bio diet are, are particularly effective in, in treating cardiometabolic disorders, so diabetes and cardiovascular disease and so on. And those are the types of people that are having the serious complications, mm-hmm. um, other than those that are immune compromised or have respiratory problems. So, so <clears throat> because it lowers your insulin resistance and, and your systemic inflammation and, and addresses obesity and so on, there's some effect there. And then there are a couple of Studies. Now, I have to preface this by saying this is by no means, you know, suggesting that there's anything conclusive in this because we don't know yet. It's way too early because COVID-19 has only been around for a few months. But, uh, you know, there's a study on mice that showed that a ketogenic diet conferred some resistance. This is a Yale study, some resistance to influenza virus by, by preventing it from, you know, attacking their respiratory cells. And then there's another study out uh, in the SARS year, about 2006 after SARS in 2003, because uh, we know the actual receptor that the that the the virus, the coronavirus, uses to get in the cells, and it's the ACE2 receptor. You know those ACE inhibitors, like Ramipril, so it's yes. the same target there. And uh, and so what it shows is that if you upregulate gamma interferon, which is part of the innate immune response, uh, then you actually uh, confer some uh, resistance because you downregulate these receptors. And again, this is a study on green monkeys, so. Not, not on humans, and, and they're both very small studies, but, but on top of that, uh, we did a very small pilot study at the BC Cancer Research Center with Dr. Gerald Crystal, my partner that I work with there, and we found that people that were keto-adapted actually had a greater um, gamma interferon immune response when challenged with a, with a viral vector. This was herpes simplex uh, uh, virus, so, and it's a proxy for, that they actually use for, for SARS and they use for cancer as well. So, you know, there's some suggestion that, that ketogenic diets might confer some of that, but there's no way to, you know, know that right now. But, but generally, for sure, being healthy is, is really important and, and uh, 
and and so I think a ketogenic diet is a good way to do that. All right, for, for, mo- for most people, from chocolate to chicken legs. Well, uh, <laughs> at the moment, uh, with testing still still quite honestly scarce in all of North America, I think I can say that um, it is hard for many Canadians and Americans to know whether they are just infected or being prudent. And and I actually think you're being prudent, and I want to thank you for that, and I really appreciate that. Sure. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, it's actually I'm kind of looking forward to it. I exactly. Say because. You know, I think if you're if you're like me and you've come home from somewhere and you got two weeks and you got to stay at home, now's the time to write that book that's been sitting in the back Absolutely. of your head. You said, "I wish I had two two weeks to just set aside and write a book." Everybody's got a book in their head, so this is a good chance to this, do it. So I'll this. be writing my next book. Before I bring my next guest on, I want to read an email. Hi, Maureen. I'm listening to your most informative show. Just a couple of questions. When I do go to the mall for grocery shopping, what are the chances of catching COVID-19? Try to make those trips. Uh, I would say in the smaller stores. I went to a small local grocery yesterday. Nobody was in the store. Stay away from people. Stay within six feet of people. Limit your exposure to anyone less than 10 minutes, okay? So you don't want to make a massive order because you don't want to be there at the till for 10 minutes. Um, also, uh, the other question she had from Alice was, I take the SkyTrain to work every day. If no one is coughing close to me, does this mean it is safe? Absolutely not. COVID-19 is a novel coronavirus, part of a large family of viruses that can cause illnesses that range from the common cold to more severe diseases. A novel coronavirus like the one that is currently spreading across the world is a new strain that has not been previously identified in humans and it is not known exactly how it is spread. However, like other viruses, it is likely that COVID-19 is passed from person to person through droplets of moisture that leave the body when coughing and sneezing. And so being on the SkyTrain, to be honest with you, I know that it's impossible for people at this moment because nobody has said, don't go on the SkyTrain. I don't recommend the SkyTrain or being in close quarters with people like that, having close contact, because you don't know if they were on the WestJet flight on March the 10th. You don't know if they had a fever four days ago and now they're walking around the town because I do know somebody who's done that as well, and then they are sick again. Uh, You don't know if they're experiencing symptoms but still have to go to work, so you don't know these people. Anyway, lots of issues. I have Anita on the line from Edmonton. Hello, Anita. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. My question was, uh, there hasn't really been any information in the news regarding how the COVID-19 could potentially affect somebody who's pregnant. And I was just wondering if you had any insight into... I do, actually. Excellent question. I really appreciate it. And um, I actually did an extended hour in Vancouver earlier and spoke about somebody who had asked me, a patient of mine who had asked me about her daughter who's uh, anticipating delivery of her baby at the end of April where there have been three confirmed cases of COVID-19. And she asked me if that was safe. And I thought, you know, I would actually make backup plans. Now, that said, I have in my research, I have come across, and I'd have to look for it again that um, there hasn't been any issues yet with uh, babies or pregnant women, or it seemed that women who were um, pregnant in this time and delivered their babies that no babies had become ill. And they it may be because they babies will still have their mother's immunity, especially if the mother is breastfeeding at the time. So uh, I can get you some more information on that if you want to email me at nursetalkathotmail.com. But so far, but I don't trust anything. That's why I'd be extremely careful. Even healthcare workers who wear protective, personal protective equipment like masks and shields and gowns are still at risk for contracting this virus. We don't know how it behaves. So that's the best I can do for you, Anita. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maureen. You're very welcome. All right. So this can affect our relationships. And joining me on the line is a relationship coach, best-selling author, and the creator of the Healthy Relationships Mastery Program. Lise Levine joins me. Hello, Lise. Hi, Maureen. We're all anxious. Oh, great. Thanks so much for being here. We're all anxious. We're all nervous. Our relationships were teetering before, and now we have COVID-19, and we're a wreck. (laughs) How do we master our relationships in this time of (laughs) COVID-19? Oh, my goodness. I know, right? I mean, we are certainly living in challenging times right now. And... um, under the best of times, the relationships can be difficult and sexless Absolutely. and deal with anxiety and depression. And, and we have, when we have something like this, especially fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend? 
Well, the first thing I recommend, Maureen, is that people really need to slow down and reflect. Like, a lot of times, like, you know, we hear so many things online, like on Facebook. People get their knowledge from all kinds of places. But we need to figure out, okay, what is actually going on, right? What are the actual facts? And, like, fear is a big thing. But we have to really have the right perspective, right? And, and so how can some... true? Our fear is true. That's a great question. You know, I mean, yes. Like, hey, so now we have, we've seen what has happened in Yuan. We've seen what is happening in, in Italy. And now it's, it's here, right? It's in North America. It's going through the whole world. But people are taking their information from a lot of the wrong places, and we need to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What am I really afraid of, right? I mean, there are three major things that we are afraid of, right? We, we're afraid of losing our health. We're afraid of losing our income. But, okay, so what is the worst thing that can happen, right? We know that our immune system needs to be straightened. We know that. So let's take a good amount of vitamin C, for example, right? We need to strengthen our human or our immune system. But the way we think affects our immune system. Well, we you know that. I do. Right? <laughs> mine's, mine's bad then right now. <laughs> mine's a mess. <laughs> when we start having, you know, being afraid of this and being afraid of that, and we not, we don't slow down, right? And you know we don't we don't pay attention to what we're thinking. It affects everything. It affects our bodies. It affects how we treat people. Exactly. I went shopping the other day, Maureen. Yeah. At superstore. <laughs> that was a Just mistake. To get a few things. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how unkind some people were. Mm-hmm. Because they're afraid. Let's treat people with kindness to begin with, because we're all going through the same thing. This is affecting each and every single one of us in different ways. You made a great point about people get their information from all over the place, from from Absolutely. Twitter. I think I spent two hours today just like retweeting and untweeting and making comments about misinformation that people with influence are giving to you know, followers and um, Facebook friends. And it's like, you know, please do not educate mm-hmm. or provide this information if you're a person with influence and it's not backed by the science absolutely we need to get the information from actual health you know health officials that's right and not politicians or not even health politicians you know some people's (laughs) hands are tied and they can only say certain things at certain times yep exactly that's right what if you um, are that if people are so stressed in their house, they've decided to hunker down and uh, they're nervous that they don't have any toilet paper and they're <laughs> fighting at each other. What's your what one best tip for them? One best thing for them is to really, I think, practice self love. A lot of pe- and that's what I teach to my my clients. Right, it's all about self love. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't love yourself, you don't you have difficulties loving other people, right? So practice self love, and what does that look like? Well, you have to be respectful of yourself, right? Yeah, you need to avoid events, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I went out today because I needed to go out, and there's still so many people out there. 
I know. And and I'm glad we're ending on that because people need to go home. You're absolutely right. We're up against the clock. LeesLevine.com. Thank you so much for being a guest tonight on the Sunday Night Health Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. The doctor joins me next. Welcome to the final hour of the Sunday Night Health Show. Lots to talk about, still focusing on COVID-19 as it affects all of us, quite frankly. And once again, social distancing, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and community is immunity. And I'm glad this person is in my community. Dr. Gurdeep Parhar is one of my best friends. He also happens to be a family physician in the Vancouver area with a very busy family practice. Good evening, Dr. Parhar. Parhar. Hi, Maureen. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining me. Um, I really appreciate it because I know you are very busy during this time, and I imagine things have changed dramatically in your clinical practice. Yeah, Maureen, as um, I'm sure all your listeners and everyone has been um, noticing, is that this is an evolving story, and day-to-day it's evolving very, very quickly from um, when we first heard about it in late December, early January, um, to the daily briefings that we're getting from um, Dr. Bonnie Henry here in BC. This is, uh, it's been evolving day to day and our interventions and what we're supposed to do about it, both at a, at a patient and a community level and at a provincial and national level are also evolving. Um, so yes, it's been a very busy time. And very stressful, I would imagine, for all healthcare workers across the province and the country and in North America. But I really appreciate you joining me. If you have a question for the doctor, the number to call is one 399 That's one 399 Now is your chance for any of those burning questions out there. Um, I don't even know where to begin. So many people are wondering, uh, when they get symptoms, Dr. Parhar, they think they, they get a bit of a fever, they get a sniffle, they get a sore throat, and they immediately immediately go to clinics and they are greeted by a sign on the door that says, don't come in here if you uh, have symptoms that you might think are COVID-19 or they're not getting the message that they should phone ahead to a healthcare clinic, which they're probably not getting answers or health link, the 811 telephone number. So what do you recommend for people who, well, first of all, if you can tell us the difference between the cough, the cold, the flu, and uh, the coronavirus or the COVID-19. Excellent question, Maureen. So what we're thinking are the collection of symptoms for COVID-19 are that most patients that have COVID-19 will likely have a fever, um, some cough, and difficulty breathing. Those are sort of the hallmark um, symptoms of it. Now, you might think that that is, in fact, a lot that overlaps with flus and, and, and other infections that you might get. So there's a, quite a bit of overlap um, with, with other flu and um, other infection symptoms. Now, you've raised a really good question, which is, you know, at what point do you think about getting some attention? And really, I, I think a lot of it really comes back to common sense. I mean, how many of us would go to see a health practitioner if we thought we had a flu? You know that the flu is caused by a virus. It's self-limiting, which means that for the majority of otherwise healthy people, the symptoms go away. So the majority of patients who have the symptoms of fever, cough, um, would probably do best by staying at home um, and and with those mild symptoms um, being managed at home. Um, So the the symptoms really uh, are best managed by staying at home, staying away from work and school and not being in public places, monitoring the symptoms really carefully. Now, if the symptoms get worse, particularly difficulty breathing or fever that won't come under control with the usual treatments like acetaminophen or ibuprofen or whatever your favorite way is to reduce temperature, if the fever won't come down or the breathing gets more difficult, then certainly you need to be um, getting um, attention. And and, that, and you quite correctly pointed out to the one resource, which is greater, call your family physician if they're available. Otherwise, what can you do at home? Um, do, do what we know to do for the flu. Get lots and lots of rest and stay really well hydrated. Um, drinking lots of fluids is very important. Um, and Maureen, if things aren't getting better, and, and you said it quite nicely, is don't just show up at, a, at your um, doctor's office or walk-in clinic, and definitely don't just walk into an emergency room. Is first call 811 and help the, the nurses. They're fantastic, that nurse line, and they will help um, sort of triage some of your symptoms and certainly tell you when you need more attention. And if it turns out that you do need to um, seek attention with a health provider, whether it's a nurse practitioner, an emergency room physician, a family physician, call ahead 
and so that they can be best prepared. What we don't want you to do is walk into um, a busy waiting room, um, whether it's in the emergency department or in a family doctor's office or walk-in clinic, and then risk exposing other people. If you call ahead um, and you need to be assessed, they'll be ready. They'll get you a mask so that you don't pass on the infection. They'll have a separate room ready, and the physician then will also be appropriately um, protected themselves. Those are those are sort of the more important things, and I think you've, you've talked about this already, but, um, you know, coughing, um, sort of when you're coughing and sneezing, making sure that you're covering up, and then everybody's talking about hand-washing, lots and lots of hand-washing, whether it's with the alcohol-based um, sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol or, or um, soap and water, which is um, thought to be the best. Dr. Parhar, um, I have somebody on the line, and thanks for mentioning the coughing because I did want to talk about cough etiquette, but first, Rita from Delta, British Columbia has a question for you. Hello. Oh, hello. Hi, Rita. Hi. Yes, I just have a question. Just um, Dr. Henley's mentioned that people that are symptom-free, that are you know using good hand washing, we should still continue to go out with our families, uh, go out to the parks, and go out to restaurants to eat, and don't stop that. But it seems to be that I'm getting this different impression from what you're saying tonight. So I just want to have clarification um, that it's still okay to go out to restaurants. There's lots of people still working, needing those jobs, and I just want uh, an update about that. Uh, yes, I agree yeah. that they need the jobs, but I just want to say I won't go to a restaurant. Go ahead, Dr. Parhar. What do you think? <laughs> which, which reminds me, I think the dude is taking me up for dinner tomorrow, so maybe we'll do it later. <laughs> You'll be waiting um, a while for that. <laughs> I'll get a gift uh, card, though. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, So the question is an excellent one, and there's a lot of discussion around what we're calling flattening the curve. And what we're talking about there when we're saying flattening the curve is when you think about a curve, um, we're thinking is as if you think about an X or Y axis, and so we've got time along one side, we're thinking as more time passes, there's going to be more and more cases. Now, we've seen in Italy, um, which has a universal health care system and in other places, that, that the cases, the number of cases of COVID and people getting very sick with COVID-19 escalates quickly. That is that there's a lot of cases in the community. No health care system is going to be able to manage those huge numbers of cases. So that means that's when the curve is very steep. So what we're talking about is flattening the curve, which is we're going to get increased cases, but we're going to spread them over a greater length of time. And how do we do that? That's the social distancing. Um, that's the, you know, not attending these family functions, larger functions, um, and not being in social places, not being at work when you're ill. So to answer your question, if you're completely symptom-free and there's no indication that you have COVID-19 at all, absolutely. Get outside, go out to the parks, go and, um, and, 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 and go to public places if you see that. But should you have any suspicion that you have these symptoms of fever, cough, or difficulty breathing, as mild as they may be, then I think the more responsible thing to do is not, is, is not to go out to those public places. And it is to what we call um, sort of socially distance or socially isolate yourself um, uh, for that period of 14 days. And why we're saying 14 days, just to be clear, is that we think that the longest incubation period is 14 days, which means that if you were to get the virus today, we think the majority of people will start showing symptoms um, in, in a period of 14 days. We don't think that the delay is longer than that. So if you, if you think you've been exposed and you socially distance yourself for 14 days and you don't get any symptoms of fever, cough, or difficulty breathing, then you're probably okay um, that you can, then it would be rare cases where you could, could possibly still have COVID-19 after that or the coronavirus. So great question. Um, I'm a super cautious kind of fellow when it comes to these things. And my suggestion would be that even with the mild symptoms, I wouldn't be um, socializing. And, and I agree with the nurse Maureen there that that would be the best um, best suggestion. You know, my question is around, uh, if I can have a question for the doctor, around confirmed cases versus true cases. And Dr. Bonnie Henry mentioned that we should be going skiing and going to restaurants on, on Friday, I believe it was, uh, that, that the risk to British Columbia was low. But, you know, people don't know if they're exposed, number one. And like there was a WestJet flight uh, on March 10th where there's somebody who's tested positive. Uh, New York City is looking at uh, shutting down the entire city they didn't want anybody on subways for the last few weeks.
weeks. You know, we're behind them, but we're not that far behind them. And so I am not, you know, given the um, modeling that has occurred after the transparency of Italy, it seems to me that the true cases are a lot higher than the confirmed cases. And I don't trust the fact that we um, can actually say with an with absolute 100% confirmation that we have not been exposed. What what do you think about true cases versus confirmed cases? Dr. Barher. Oops. I can, yeah, yeah, now we can. Thanks. Okay, sorry. I was going to say I respect Dr. Henry a lot, and I think her um, recommendation to try to stay as active and try to not be panicked and you know try to have some normalcy around this difficult time period is is absolutely the right thing. I think where we where we all want to be cautious is that when you said is it a suspected case versus a confirmed case, you might I guess you could say with a flu, would you be otherwise skiing and would you otherwise be doing things? You might be, but you would probably still socially distance yourself. Um, you know, if you ski like me on a mountain hill, there's not too many people that want to be near you anyway. <laughs> That's so I for would, sure. I, 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 would, I would imagine that you're not too close to people now. You don't want to hang out in the Apple ski or um, a place too close to others or maybe be on the same ski lift. Um, so there are activities that you can do outside that will keep you fit. And, and the other part, and I think your caller before the news break, um, Maureen, was talking about sort of the, the, the mental um, sort of the mental and emotional psychological consequences of and, all this. And, that, and that's important as well. So It, it is. You know, I, I just have a question for you, though, yeah. um, in terms of, um, oh, I hope I have, oh, like 80 to 85 percent of people will, will recover from this, correct? Which I don't think I've mentioned tonight. I've, I've been remiss in that. Yeah. And, and, and that's important to keep in mind. So we're thinking that um, so the, the mortality rate, which is how many people will actually die from the infection, the numbers are being debated right now, but they're mm-hmm. anywhere from 1% to about 3%. We think it's probably around 2 2.3. And, of course, what that, one of the reasons there's a bit of a range is we're not sure how many people actually have it. So the more testing that you do and, and therefore, more people test positive or confirm cases and they recover, then, then that percentage goes down. But you're right, the majority of people who get, who get this will recover fully, and most of those will be younger people um, and otherwise healthy people. But Maureen, um, just to emphasize, the people that are at the highest risk that need to be taking an abundance of caution around this are people that are older, and I have to be careful when I define older, but we think there's a higher risk um, over 60, but certainly over 80 years of age. Um, and then anybody who has any chronic health condition, particularly a heart condition, lung condition or diabetes or sort of the three we're thinking about. Wonderful. Um, or in, any sort of immune uh, compromised state. And, and, and in fairness, those would be the groups that we would be, would be um, uh, um, concerned about even with the regular flu. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.